the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by ParentTrainers.com, presented by Lily Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Lily Wilkinson. As a member of the business development team for Legacy Treatment Center, which features wilderness therapy programs for young adult men and women, Lily does outreach to clinical professionals and placement specialists. She attends and hosts conferences and events nationwide, both in person and now virtually. She is thrilled to be working in the outdoor behavioral healthcare industry because as an 18-year-old herself, Lily went to a young adult wilderness program. She has experienced firsthand the healing power of adventure, nature, and community. Lily has also previously worked for other therapeutic programs for young adults, as well as working for the University of Colorado's Collegiate Recovery Center. Although she has spent plenty of time out west and loves Colorado and Utah, she currently lives in Portland, Maine. She loves hiking, sailing, yoga, her big and crazy family, her golden retriever Gus, and most important of all, ice cream. All kinds of ice cream, especially if it's in a cone, and even more so if it is a waffle cone. So let's not wait any longer. Here's Lily. All right, Lily, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, Why don't we, we'll just go ahead and and kind of jump in. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about um, your childhood and specifically focus on the expectations around post-secondary education? Yeah, so I grew up in um, Connecticut. I am the youngest of five kids. And that's important because that had a lot to do with the expectations around education in my family. Um, I come from a family where academics uh, was super valued and prioritized. My parents were both teachers um, at different points in their lives. Um, So, you know, education was always a top priority in our household. And I think because you know, I was watching my siblings, even when I was still in elementary school, my brothers were in high school and then college. So from a young age, it was like very much ingrained in me that I would be going to, you know, to college, just like my siblings. And I watched them all go to very prestigious, uh, you know, first New England prep schools and then New England universities. Um, And that did not end up being my path, though I tried very hard for it to be my path. (laughs) But it definitely had a big, a a big role in the expectations, mostly that I put on myself, um, watching my siblings go through all that. Yeah, I love that you said that, that you put the expectations on yourself. Um, So what, so if that wasn't your path, what was your path? So for starters, for high school, um, I know we're focusing more on um, college, but this is an important part of my story. Um, the expectation coming out of eighth grade was that I would go to a boarding school on the East Coast, and I worked my little tail off to get in. And it's sort of like, I mean, for your listeners who aren't familiar, the process of applying to prep school is like a mini college application. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you're taking the SSATs and you're driving around interviewing at these schools and you're filling out these applications and asking for letters of recommendation. So I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself throughout that process. 
you know, like I said, really worked hard, ended up getting into the school that I was really psyched on going to. It's one that my sister had gone to and I did not last my full freshman year. <laughs> and, um, it was not that I wasn't, you know, intellectually capable of it. Um, it wasn't that I wasn't socially capable of it. I've always been a really outgoing kid. I actually really, uh, was able to thrive sort of with that level of independence. I just also was a really anxious person and someone that put a lot of pressure on myself and to be in that kind of really rigorous academic environment was not good for my, for my mental health. I envision it being like this little pressure cooker, but almost like internal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I went from being like a big fish in a small pond, meaning like I went to a small, um, you know, pretty rural, you know, elementary school and then middle school and then junior high school, um, where, you know, out of my class of like 150 kids, it was really easy to be you know, one of the shining stars. And then all of a sudden I got to this like huge prep school where like I was with the best and the brightest from truly all over the globe. And you just, you know, you, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to really succeed. And, and that was ultimately just, uh, just too much pressure for me. So I ended up, um, not continuing at that school past second, you know, midway through the second semester of my freshman year. And that, same kind of story repeated itself when, when I got to college, which I'm happy okay. to tell you about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so at some point you did graduate from high school and you were like, yeah, okay. So crossing that. So you still, even though you kind of had some bumps in the roads through your academic journey during the adolescent years, you were still kind of like focused eyes on the prize of like, this is still a part of my story is going yep. to college. So you kind of never let go. No, of I didn't. It, it, I will say it did take on a different form for me when I was in high school. Um, and it's kind of this like fun little fact about myself that not a lot of people know because it's not a big part of my life now, but I was a theater kid and really, I did not know that. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I decided in my sophomore or junior year of high school that not only did I love theater, but that this was going to be my, my future. So much to sort of the surprise of my parents. And I think a little bit there, um, it's not that they weren't supportive, but I think they were, they were very sort of cautious about the idea. I declared that I was only going to be applying to BFA programs and I was going to be going to a theater conservatory for stage management, not acting. Oh, yeah. So again, I worked my little tail off because I hadn't, I hadn't gotten rid of the sense of pressure that I was putting on myself. So it was like, okay, well, like if all my siblings went to Ivy leagues then I'm going to find the best performing arts program that I can. And I did, I found, you know, I set my sights on NYU, which has a really fabulous theater and film school called Tisch. And, um, I got myself in early there for stage management. I was one of like nine kids to get selected. Now granted the pool's pretty small for that little <laughs> niche, but you know, I worked really hard. Um, and I say the pattern sort of repeated itself uh, because in a very similar way to what ended up happening when I was at boarding school, over the course of like the six months leading up to me actually enrolling at NYU, I got crippling anxiety about what it would look like to actually go and succeed there and the amount of pressure that it was going to be and living in New York City and and all of that. Um, and once again, 
the decision was made that for my mental health and wellness, it probably wasn't best for me to go to NYU. So literally like at the 11th hour, I had already done my orientation there and I was about to go move in. My parents and I decided that I would defer from NYU for a year. So that's kind of like, I know a lot of your guests have this, um, you know, have the, the pattern of like starting college, taking time off and then not. In my case, I didn't actually like really start, but I definitely made the decision, uh, you know, like I said, at the 11th hour to take, to take time off. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, it's important for our listeners to hear because not everybody's journey is so different, right? Like I think, yeah, the majority of people that I've interviewed so far certainly have, have had that like post-secondary experience where they launched and that's when like stuff really started to kind of come undone. But there's plenty of people uh, that, you know, it's, it, it's a struggle leading up to it and then making, you know, good for you for making that decision at the 11th hour to prioritize your mental health and really see the writing on the wall, which was, if I go to New York City and particularly enroll in this program, it's not right. going to end. I saw, I think I sort of saw, and my parents saw that this would be in some ways like, you know, Andover part two or boarding school part two. Um, so, so I made the decision ultimately to take a gap year and, and that's when I totally took another left-hand turn and decided that I was going to move to Colorado. I actually did, um, a series of therapeutic programs that landed me out in Colorado. I went to, first, I did a wilderness program, which was incredibly helpful for dealing with some of those underlying anxiety performance issues, you know, co-occurring. I was dealing with, you know, some substance abuse and some unresolved trauma and an eating disorder, all that are very much related to, you know, my performance anxiety. Um, so, so I went to wilderness, which is fabulous. And then I went to a young adult um, aftercare transitional living program in Boulder, Colorado. And I ended up falling in love with Colorado and with this new me that I was able to sort of manifest out there. And I became a yoga teacher and was off and on a vegan and enrolled myself at the University of Colorado and majored in anthropology and gender studies. And it was a very different college experience from the one that I had envisioned for myself, but it ended up being exactly what I needed. Totally. Yeah, that's the irony of it all is that we have this like, you know, oftentimes we have the tunnel vision of this is what is supposed to look like. And the reality is sometimes we have to kind of step yeah. back and, and do some of that self-care to allow and let unfold what is truly meant to be. Yeah. Which is, you know, to go for me being somebody that's also from the East Coast, like that's a high pressure environment and also like fast pace in general. It doesn't matter where you are on the Eastern seaboard. Yeah. It's like, go, go, go. And then you get out to Colorado and that's when you become a yoga teacher. And it's just like, well, let's <laughs> just slow down. Let's, yeah. every, everybody in Colorado is like, Hey, let's just, let's take yeah. a deep breath. Yeah. And that's, it's amazing that you landed out here. And then why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell the listeners since since graduating from CU Boulder, you know, what has your journey looked like in the, the work world? Yeah. So I've ended up working with young adults actually who are kind of find themselves in similar positions to the one that I was in, um, since graduating, which has been really cool. My first job, um, 
post-grad was actually working for the University of Colorado specifically as the program coordinator. That was my title for the collegiate recovery program there. So um, the University of Colorado and a lot of other schools have these really awesome communities, resource centers um, that are specifically for students who are in recovery from addiction and or mental health related struggles. Um, and so I got to be somebody who worked with these students who were coming in, who were self-identifying as people who were in recovery and wanted to you know, be a part of a supportive community. And I got to do things like help them find housing that would be conducive to their recovery and plan events and trips. And, um, and that was, that was really fun. I loved that. I, I worked there for about two years. Um, and then from there, I started working for therapeutic programs for young adults. So, um, and that's kind of led you to where you are now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So exactly. So I've worked for um, a few different aftercare programs. So programs that are like more transitional living for young adults, getting them launched into school or work after, you know, having some sort of a treatment experience. And then right now I actually work for a wilderness therapy program. So that's been um, another you want to do a shameless, time. not so shameless <laughs> plug for your employer right now. <laughs> yes, I'd love to. Yeah. So I work for um, a fabulous uh, wilderness therapy program that uh, specializes, we only work with young adults. So we have a men's program and a women's program. The men's program is Legacy Outdoor Adventures. And then our women's program is Juniper Canyon Recovery Center for Women. So we work with young adults, 18 to 35. A lot of our clients though tend to be in the 18 to 24 age range and are sort of struggling with a lot of the same kind of things that I, you know, struggled with when I was that age in terms of like, am I going to go to college? What is that going to look like? Where am I going to be? You, you know, certainly we deal with a lot of clients who put a lot of unhealthy expectations on themselves. So yeah, it, it's really fun. It's, it's a very rewarding path. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I'm just going to ask you point blank, because I ask everybody, do you see yourself as successful? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the day. <laughs> I'll tell you this much. I, I wasn't quite so convincing. I, no, I do. I see myself as successful. And like now I think I have, I see myself as successful in that I'm living a really happy life. And I feel very confident and secure in the fact that like you're always working on yourself. I think that that's such a relief. I had this idea growing up that it was always about achieving this thing and then you're always working towards this goal and I would just burn myself out to get there, right? Like that's what I did. I burnt myself out to get to this boarding school. And then when I got there, like I didn't have the bandwidth to take care of myself when I was there. And then I did the same thing with the college experience. And what I've really learned over the years is that like success is something that grows and ages, you know, like a fine wine or cheese. Like it's something you're always sort of working on within yourself. So yes, I feel successful. And I'm also really excited that like my work is not done, you know? Totally. It's not done. It's not done. So, yeah, it's not done. I, so I always love to end the interview just with asking, you know, the, the guest to give one piece of advice to a young person who's struggling, but I would actually like to do a little twist on this because I think from one female to another, 
I think that women tend to struggle and allow themselves to struggle longer before they end up asking for help uh, and or it gets to that place where it, it, it really is like the breaking point. Um, so I would love for you, when I ask that question, I would love for it to be kind of targeted towards that female audience. So if you could get what, one piece of advice to a young adult woman right now yeah. who's struggling, what advice would you give? I, th I think you're right. I mean, I think that any person, regardless of gender, can certainly be at risk for putting a lot of pressure on themselves. But I definitely see um, women in internalize a lot more. And one of the things that I'm super grateful about is like, I have a really loving family and parents who are very, you know, observant. So like my struggle was evident to them because they're, they, they were very much like watching me, but, but even still it was internalized in the way that like, I was smiling on the outside and like, yeah, I got this, but inside I was like miserable. Right. And so I think my advice for a young woman who maybe feels like she has to have it all together on the outside is like, it's okay to like ask for help and let people know that like, you're, you're not okay. And that doesn't make you like a phony or a fraud to feel like, yeah, I have my shit together. I have everything together, you know, on the outside and I'm great on paper, but I still don't feel right. Like if you don't feel right inside, then ask for help. That's fine. And that doesn't invalidate your success on paper, you know? Totally. I think you're right that it, it is not, you know, gender exclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that advice can go either way, but I really appreciate you sharing that with the audience. Lily, thanks again for taking the time to share your yeah, story. Thank you so much. for this week's success is subjective episode stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world you can follow me joanna on instagram at lily consulting and on facebook at lily consulting llc most importantly though check out the resources link on my website at lilyconsulting.com and that's l-i-l-l-e-y consulting.com or you can just search on google for lily consulting you can also download and subscribe to listen to the successes subjective interviews on any popular podcast app such as apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, soundcloud spotify stitcher and TuneIn radio make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Once again, thank you to parenttrainers.com for sponsoring this podcast series. And thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.